So anything that is happening in your gut has a direct effect into the skin uh, and vice versa too. Anything that is happening to the skin can affect the gut microbiome. So um, yeah, you will do absolutely nothing if you, I mean, you could probably get some temporary results when you use the skincare uh, with certain ingredients because you're targeting the condition to a certain degree, but that's just a very small part of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't um, combine that with good nutrition and also with good lifestyle habits, eventually, you know, it's going to, uh, you're going to have unbalances and you're going to also have disruptions in body functions. So it's very, very important to uh, have a more holistic approach because it's the best approach. You cannot just cover one part and not cover the other because we're, we're a whole body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're one person and everything affects the other. Hey everyone, welcome back to One Thing in Common podcast. On today's episode, I'm so happy to have on Dora Salazar. Dora is a professional advocate for integrative wellness, specializing in functional and holistic nutrition counseling. She's a certified functional nutrition counselor and holistic nutritionist, board certified holistic health practitioner, board certified health coach, and a professional member of the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. Her unique blend of holistic and clinical expertise draws a different approach to modern nutrition coaching. Driven to help men and women better understand the complexities of their bodies, she offers her clients a therapeutic approach to optimize body functions, looking beyond their symptoms to get to the root cause of their health concerns with the highlight and importance of food nourishment, lifestyle modifications, and holistic therapies. Recognizing the interplay between nutrition, bio-individuality, and mindset to create sustainable change. In addition to functional nutrition, Dora is a leading voice in the field of skincare with over 25 years of experience. Her high level of expertise has led her to be featured in re-owned aesthetic magazines and local journals. She has also been a speaker in international aesthetic conventions and an educator and consultant for luxury skincare lines and spas. She runs a skin and wellness practice in Miami, where clients enjoy unique services with the integration of holistic modalities, non-invasive technologies, and functional wellness counseling. Everyone brings me great joy to have on Dorda Salazar. Hi, Megan. (laughs) Hello, Dorda. Welcome. How are you? I'm so excited to be here with you, especially uh, talking about this topic that I'm super passionate about wellness and you know everything that is health and wellness it excites me so much yes i'm so excited to have you on dorda um for those of you um listening me and dorda have known each other for a very long time um because of my mother dorda was my mom's um skincare statistician and my mom would take me to dorda dorda would do all my skincare when i was younger um, because her practice was here in our city. Then she moved to, I believe, Miami. And then from there started new journeys, practices. And it's interesting because my mom decided to go into skincare. And Dora has been pretty much a mentor to my mom for the last couple of years, just guiding her and leading her. And so like all the things my mom's learned has been a lot of it has been passed down from, from you, Dora, what you've learned and how you've taken care of us before. And so I just want to say thank you for 
um, being here today, giving us your time, because um, I know you are a busy, busy woman, but it's just so awesome to be able to reconnect and chat about all things health and wellness. Right. And when you say yes, you were 12, so time really flies. I can't believe, I mean, look at you now, you know, having this wonderful podcast and, you know, giving all that information to your audience is just awesome. So congratulations on, on your podcast. Super happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you on. So, Dora, I wanted to um, have you just talk a little bit about your skincare journey. And I know you've had over 25 years of experience doing skincare alone. And so could you just share a little bit with the listeners, you know, how you got into that and why you wanted to get into the industry? Yeah, that's definitely something that touches me super deeply because I got into skincare to help myself in the sense that from when I was a child, I always had skin problems. I come from a family that we all suffer from eczema, skin sensitivities, different type of rashes. So, um, you know, my mom, when I was a child, she used to take me to different dermatologists and I never really got an answer. So as I grew up, I was always inquiring, like, how can I help myself get rid of the eczema or help myself, you know, and then as a teenager, I had acne for a while as well. So I definitely got into a skincare um, and then proceeded to going even deeper into more clinical skincare. I became a paramedical esthetician, um, to find out, you know, the clinical part of, of the skincare, worked with dermatologists for many years. Uh, I learned a lot about the skin, but I also learned that there weren't really that many options as to a solution for skincare problems. There are many, many skin conditions that are considered idiopathic. And so that means that the cause is unknown. And most of the time, when you suffer from chronic skin conditions, you will end up being prescribed corticosteroids, which have a lot of negative effects uh, in the long term. Um, so there's not that many answers, you know, when you go to see a dermatology, because they don't really cover anything that refers to nutrition or lifestyle. And as we will talk later, you can separate one thing with the other. So that's how I really got into skincare. And I got into it very, very deeply. I studied for many years and I continue always to study. But, um, you know, I got my hands on every course and every um, medical aesthetic course that I could get into to find answers. And, um, you know, it was just combination of different modalities. And after that, I got into many holistic modalities because I'm also a massage therapist as well. And then, you know, I got into studying modalities related to Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, a lot of different massage techniques like lymphatic uh, to help, you know, just kind of have that link into how it will help the skin mm -hmm. and that's how you know one thing led to the other and basically that's how I am who I am today professionally wow I love that so it was your own journey of you know 
you had, you know, your skin, you realized that you wanted to get it better. You want to, to understand, you know, what are the root causes? Why is it like this? And how can I make it better? And through that, um, learning all those things, you found a passion for it. And then pretty much it's been your whole career up to this point. And, and you've now ventured off to new adventures like holistic nutrition and, and nutritional counseling and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's so cool. And, um, I wanted to talk about gut health because I know when we spoke over the phone uh, not too long ago, uh, you were mentioning how that's literally everything. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of them, when I talk to some people, they have never heard of that term gut health or they may not know what it is. So Dora, can you explain um, what exactly is gut health and how, how does that affect our bodies and also our skin? Well, gut health is basically everything. Um, 70% of actually our immune system comes from the gut, you know, from the lymphoid tissue, the gut. But another thing is that it is completely linked to the skin by um, a bi-directional axis. So that is called the gut and skin axis. Um, The skin, of course, is an organ that even though the largest organ of the body, it helps in detoxification, uh, regulating temperature, detoxifying, of course, and it is a great auxiliary organ for other organs such as, you know, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs. So everything that happens in the body and that is happening in the gut specifically, because I'm going to explain a little bit more about the microbiome, um, really affects the skin. Mm -hmm. So the skin and other systems are completely interrelated, but has a very special relationship with the gut. Um, Because we do have the immune system, we have the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system. The innate is the immune system that is ready to attack any pathogen that tries to get into our body. Mm -hmm. It's not very precise system, but it's there. Um, And basically, we have pathogens that live on our skin. Um, Depends on the different areas, we have different pathogens. So in the skin, we have areas that are oily, other areas that are dry. Um, So, and they are totally connected with the gut bacteria as well. So when we, let's say we eat foods that cause inflammation and we have a diet that it's not really healthy, um, that is causing internally a lot of inflammation and it's feeding the bad pathogens in there. So the byproducts of those pathogens cause inflammation. And if we have uh, intestinal permeability, what it's also called leaky gut, those uh, particles of undigested food or chemicals will get through the bloodstream and uh, will target you know, inflammatory chemicals into the skin and will develop a reaction, um, inflammatory reaction in the skin. And that can be a state of chronic inflammation where it is perpetuated because inflammation, it's actually a good thing when it's a, it's a mechanism of defense from the body. So when you get injured, you know, your body will respond immediately 
and uh, the immune cells will be ready, you know, to fight pathogens. We have different reactions such as uh, heat, uh, redness, swelling, pain. So, in, but then, you know, acute inflammation is an episode that happens when the injury happens and then it, it comes to an end. So it's a cycle that closes, it gets resolved in the body and that's it, right? But the problem with uh, gut health is that because it's an ongoing thing, um, since we eat every day and our gut responds to what we're eating and the lifestyle that we're having and all of that, um, it's, it's something that can turn into chronic inflammation. And like I was saying before, the skin is connected to the gut by the bidirectional axis. So anything that is happening in your gut has a direct effect into the skin uh, and vice versa too. Anything that is happening to the skin can affect the gut microbiome. So um, yeah, you will do absolutely nothing if you, I mean, you could probably get some temporary results when you use the skincare uh, with certain ingredients because you're targeting the condition to a certain degree, but that's just a very small part of it. Mm -hmm. If you don't um, combine that with good nutrition and also with good lifestyle habits, eventually, you know, it's going to uh, you're going to have unbalances and you're going to also have disruptions in body functions. So it's very, very important to uh, have a more holistic approach because it's the best approach. You cannot just cover one part and not cover the other because we're, we're a whole body. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're one person and everything affects the other. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's, um, it's so important for, for us, for people to understand that because a lot of times, you know, I, I hear people say, well, I'm on this new prescription for my skin or I'm on, I'm taking this new thing for my skin. And I, I know there are like certain situations where, where chronic acne, like that is where you do need something more serious. And I know that like the products and things like that will help. Um, but for instance, like in my case, we were talking a little bit before this and I was telling you how it started breaking out on my chin. And I know that dairy for me, um, it does cause breakouts, but I'm also thinking, well, I don't eat too much dairy to the point that I should be breaking out. And I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, she's like, you do drink a lot of coffee. Maybe it could be that too. And it's like, I hate to hear that. Cause I'm like, that's so true. I love coffee, but I'm the kind of person where I'm like, if I know I'm eating or drinking something that's causing my skin to break out. Like, I don't want, I don't want to keep putting that in my body because my body's telling me, Hey, like this isn't good, at least for me, you know? And so I'm, I understand that I can have all the perfect skincare products and stuff, but that's just like a little piece of the puzzle. You know, that's just like a little small percentage to what's really going on. And so I myself have been examining my, okay, what am I eating? What am I drinking? You know, another thing I wanted to ask you that Dorda is how is stress correlated to, um, our skin, you know, um, and how is it sometimes where we break out? It's not necessarily the food, but sometimes it's our own stress. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, stress is a massive, um, you know, factor in, in, for the skin disorders. Um, it's one of the main culprits mm -hmm. that exacerbate the skin conditions. 
because of stress, you know, when when we are in that mode of the fight or flight, um, our level of cortisol goes up, our blood sugar levels also goes up, which causes a lot of inflammation in the body. Mm. Um, and like we were saying, if the stress is just for a little while, that's fine. It's not going to pose you know, a lot of distress for the skin. But when it is chronic stress, it definitely creates a lot of inflammation internally in the body and like we were talking about this a little you know before um inflammation it, it's it's very detrimental for the skin so you know it definitely collaborates to to promote uh, conditions such as acne uh rosacea you know it makes them worse for sure mm-hmm. so you know and it could be stress comes in many different ways it could be emotional it could be um, physical stress. It could be just the stress from, um, you know, bad nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's everything really collaborates into uh, not only gut health, but skin health. Mm-hmm. Both. You, you did mention um, inflammation. And so what are some foods that we can eat to help fight inflammation? To fight inflammation, well, of course, one of the main uh, food categories you want to introduce is fruits and vegetables. And you probably have heard a lot that they're good for you. But the reason why they're so good for you is because they contain tons of antioxidants. Um, They're very rich in in minerals and vitamins. And they contain a lot of fiber too, which for the skin fiber is wonderful because it helps to detoxify the body. So a lot of what is happening, um, especially in the skin conditions such as acne um, or any other really skin condition where there's you know inflammation as well, more than likely there's a correlation uh, between maybe higher levels of toxicity in the body. So it's very important to eat foods that are very high in fiber. Um, Also essential fatty acids, especially omega-3 is very important because our diet nowadays is very rich because of of the way that the food is growing and especially animal protein uh, contains nowadays a lot of omega-6. And in order to be healthy, we need to have a balanced ratio from omega-6 and Mm omega-3. So because a lot of the vegetable oils and seeds and nuts, they're really high in omega-6, but omega-3, we never really consume in our diet enough to have that balanced ratio. And it's an essential fatty acid. That that means that we don't produce it in the body. So we need to acquire it through the diet. also for the skin, you want, uh, build, you know, building up skin uh, ingredients. So those ingredients that we need in order to actually make the skin um, and many, many of those nutrients, you know, many people are deficient. Uh, some of them would be like vitamin C. So we need vitamin C to make collagen, for instance. So if you're deficient in vitamin C, you're not going to make enough collagen. So your skin, it's not going to be healthy. We need vitamin A. There is a lot of deficiency out there, of vitamin A. Um, so, you know, having 
plant-based foods, like in the form of beta carotene that turns into vitamin A in the body, um, all the orange family, like, you know, carrots or pumpkin, um, sweet potatoes. So all of those are very rich in uh, beta carotene. Or if you have animal protein, um, you know, there are foods and animal protein that contain already bioavailable forms of vitamin A. I always recommend, uh, you know, grass-fed protein, uh, wild-caught, organic, because of the toxicity levels that you can get from, you know, not only um, the animal protein being treated with hormones and antibiotics, but also pesticides and all of those things that you don't want in your body. Yeah, I, I hear, I follow a lot of doctors that share like the importance of grass fed if you are doing animal products, um, you know, like specific fruits and vegetables that should be organic versus ones that you don't need to, but ones that have the skin that we eat, like try to, you know, make that effort to do that. Could you share a little bit on why um, that's important? You know, how does, you know, if, you know, we're buying the, the non-grass fed and we're getting the ones full of pesticides, like how is that affecting our insides? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, talking about the gut, what do you think those pesticides do? They kill weeds, right? They kill mm. all these uh, bugs. Well, that's exactly what they're doing with our gut microbiome. So especially uh, glyphosate, which uh, is like a major chemical that is in, in a lot of foods nowadays, especially vegetables and, uh, and grains and all of that. Um, it kills our gut microbiome. So it really is, it's creating an imbalance in our gut. And, and it really leads to a lot of chronic illnesses in the long term. So uh, eating organic is crucial because at least organic food uh, hasn't been treated with or minimally treated, hopefully not treated with uh, pesticides and uh, you know, herbicides and all of that, that it's going to affect, you know, your chemical toxicity load into your body and also your gut health as well. So yeah, if, if you can buy organic, I know it's definitely more expensive, but you're going to also have more nutritional value into, you know, with organic food, because it really matters how you grow the food, you know, especially nowadays with, unfortunately, with the um, commercial agriculture, the soil is so depleted of nutrients that, you know, even if you get, you know, a food and it's not going to be the same nutritional value that it was 40 years ago. So that's why we're being so deficient in so many uh, nutrients, you know, that years ago, we didn't see that. But today, even when we eat foods um, that are supposedly to be nutrient, we're not getting the amounts that we used to to get in the foods of, of those nutrients. So that's why it is very important to eat organic when you can. And also, um, seeing it from a holistic perspective, um, foods have a special code 
for your body. Okay, your body responds like uh, like a, it has the food has the key, and your body has the receptor, the lock for those special codes. So if you think about it, when when you eat something that has been grown from the earth and it's natural, uh, it's just a natural response that happens in the body. It's almost uh, you know, like a miracle that really happens is that food coming in with that special message that that converts in the body and it's super nourishing for the body because food is medicine, right? But what happens with uh, food that is that has been genetically modified, that has been altered, that already has a lot of chemicals, is food that will be missing that message. So when the body sees it, instead of seeing it as something that is nourishing, that is medicine, that it's going to help your health, it sees it as as a foreign pathogen. And that's why today we're seeing, um, you know, food sensitivities growing Mm -hmm. massively. We're seeing um, intolerances. We're seeing a lot of uh, food allergies because of all of this that we're being exposed that many years ago we weren't you know our great-grandparents didn't have that problem but we are and it has a lot to do with how the food is growing nowadays and what is happening nutritionally with the food yeah that's you've made so many good points there because I have friends that you know they eat bread here in America and it just makes them blow and it's just very heavy and they can go to Europe and eat a fresh loaf of bread and they're fine, you know, or I know some people that they'll go to South America and they can have dairy there and their skin won't break out, but then they come here and they have dairy and like they break out. And it's so interesting. It's like, it it really does matter how the food is grown and what are they putting in it to make it grow? Because like whatever is in that is going to be in us. You know, so, so many times I remember in college, um, people would know me as buying like healthy food and, and just like being super passionate. And obviously I still am about living a healthy lifestyle. And, um, they're like, but I can't, I can't afford to eat healthy. I'm like, but you can, like, I wasn't, I was balling on a budget. I was like, I, I, I knew what supermarket to go on what days. Cause I knew what deals they would have, you know, I would go for what was locally, um, what was in season for the fruits and vegetables, Um, and, and just realizing that you don't need to buy like the fancy, you know, organic gluten-free cookies, but it's like, just stick to the basics, fruits, vegetables, the grass fed meats and stick to the basics, you know? And, and I would have a ball going to the grocery store and buying those things. And at the end of my grocery list, I would buy like maybe 15 items and it'd be under $20 because it was a lot of produce and veggies and and nothing was pre-made. It was all fresh. And so all everyone's like, how'd you do it? I'm like, you just gotta, you know, like take the time to learn and, you know, maybe watch some videos on how to, um, shop healthy and, and affordable because is it is possible, you know? Oh yeah, it is. If you go to locally grown farm, uh, farmer markets and, you know, um, yeah, you will find really good prices. It's it's definitely expensive, but some, if you go to like Whole Foods, you know, it yeah. could be 
a little bit too too much, although sometimes they do have great promotions. So again, it's like getting involved in the community. Also, I, I find it great to just buy from the community. There's a lot of uh, people involved into growing fresh vegetables nowadays. So I, it, and another thing that really affects uh, the nutritional um, levels is transportation. So mm-hmm. the closer you get the food where it's being grown, the better the nutrition levels. So, you know, even if you buy organic, if that food has taken forever to get to the supermarket, it has been maybe frozen, um, you know, all of that is already taken away nutritional value from the foods. So when you buy organically and locally grown, um, you're definitely going to get better value of nutrients in your foods. Yeah, that's something that I, when I lived in Orlando, I would always go to the local farmer's markets every Sunday after church. I would just walk down the street, go to the Orlando farmer market, and I had the time of my life, you know. Um, but it truly is, it's its becoming aware of your like community, your surroundings. And now I'm here back home in South Florida. So I'm like, sh- like figuring out, okay, there actually are a ton of farmer markets. I just haven't taken the time to sit down and do my research. And, you know, it's, it's honestly so much more rewarding when I get to buy it from a local farmer and knowing that I'm supporting his business, his family, his income. Um, it's more personal, you know, if it's a good feeling and also you get the fresh food and it's more fun, you know, but it's also like becoming aware of like, okay, buying organic, the, it can be pricey, but how can I make it a little less? And it's just doing that little research of like, I can go to these markets where it's going to be, you know, a little cheaper because again, it's not, it doesn't have all that extra transportation, all the extra like markup because it's at a store, all those different things. So it's like when you find those ways in the long run, you'll be able to, you know, save that. Um, but I could see how it could be intimidating to some people because you'll go to a store and a fruit cup will be $5, but then a hamburger will be $2. And it's like, how does that make sense? You know, it's like, and I, and I see that and I'm like, oh, it gets me mad. Cause I'm like a fruit cup, $5 and a hamburger, $2. And sadly, a lot of people go for the hamburger because it's cheaper, but in the long run, it's actually costing you more when you yourself it's are costing you your health basically. Mm -hmm. But you said something very interesting. And I think that's the the key of everything is to stick to the basics. Okay. Eating healthy is about that. It's about eating whole foods right now. uh, There's a huge marketing out there uh, based on, you know, all these fancy terms of uh, non-GMO and free and all of that. So, but a lot of times, if you don't know how to read labels, I mean, they could be giving you many uh, ingredients that are not even healthy and you're paying a huge price just because the label says gluten-free or, you know, or non-GMO or organic. Um, So that doesn't mean anything, you know, it could be just a marketing strategy for some companies to camouflage something and being sold as healthy. And then when you check the ingredients, it has different forms of chemicals that are just not healthy for you, especially sugar. Everything in America almost contains sugar. We consume massive amounts of sugar a year. Um, So um, sugar is everywhere. It's camouflaged everywhere because it's super addictive. So it's, it's a way of, uh, you know, the manufacturers to 
uh, add flavor and make you addictive to, to the product. So um, it's everywhere. So unless you read labels and you really see, don't go by just what it says on the on the you know on the label or on the packaging if it says just gluten free. So the best and safest way is to stick to the basics. You know, eat your whole veggies. Your if you can cook more at home, that's a lot healthier than just going out because you have no control of to what they're putting in your food, what kind of fats they're using. Many times they use hydrogenated fats because they're cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that is what is causing a lot of problems in the health. And also, like you said before, not just talking about, you know, what ingredients are good to fight inflammation, but also Let's talk a little bit about what are those foods that you want to avoid yes, in order to, <laughs> yes. or to cause inflammation, not only in the body, but also in the skin. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, dairy is one of them. Dairy, uh, by nature, even if it says hormone-free, is uh, it's meant to be for a calf. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's going to have hormones regardless, especially in estrogen. And um, it really if you're already prone to some hormonal problems, it's going to exacerbate that problem. It's going to um, cause hormonal disturbances. It also causes inflammation. Um, casein is it's a form of protein that it's also pretty addictive. Um, so that's why, you know, when you eat cheese, you love cheese and you continue to eat oh, cheese. Oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> you don't stop. It's like just right. eating all the cheese. Yes, definitely causes a lot of inflammation and gut problems. Um, and then we have, of course, the lactose, which many people are lactose intolerant. So there's so many different you know, issues why you don't want to consume the, the dairy products. Um, as a matter of fact, also studies have shown that those countries that consume the most amount of dairy products actually have more fractures and, and bone problems. So it doesn't really mean that we can get all the calcium and be, you know, healthy just from dairy products. You can definitely get calcium from spinach. You can get it from broccoli. You can get it from a lot of foods that are, you know, a healthier form of, of just eating dairy. Yeah. Um, another one is gluten. And like you mentioned before, gluten is a huge uh, gut sensitizer. And, you know, we get a lot of um, a lot of people are intolerant to gluten, so you don't really have to have celiac disease in order to uh, be intolerant to gluten and, and get a lot of the symptoms from it. Um, one of the main reasons is, like we talked about, the way that the foods are grown. Uh, many years ago, when they used to make the bread, they used to use the fermentation process. And that takes about you know a few days to actually have it ready and make the bread, but those enzymes and those uh, the, the healthy bacteria in the fermented uh, processing of the bread helps to um, break down the, 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 the gluten. So people were able to tolerate bread better, but nowadays, you know, they don't use that fermented 
process mm-hmm. anymore. They use a lot of ingredients that are super fast and quick, you know, to just make the bread. And so we're seeing a lot of gluten intolerances and in that really also gluten uh, helps to exacerbate or create leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which is the opening the door for a lot, a lot of different chronic uh, illnesses and problems. So um, it's definitely Those are the three big ones. And of course, sugar, like we talked about, causes a lot of inflammation because sugar is not only, uh, you know, an an ingredient that actually creates inflammation, but it's it's also actually considered an anti-nutrient because it steals nutrient from your cells in order to be metabolized. So um, you need, for instance, molecules of magnesium in order to metabolize sugar. So sugar is not adding any nutrients to your to your body, but it's taken away and it causes a lot of inflammation. So, you know, avoiding those foods, I think those are the three main ones. We could continue with, uh, you know, corn and soy and other ones, but that's more specific to, you know, each person because, you know, nutrition is very bio-individual, like, like we talked about in, at the beginning. Um, and that's why eating healthy is very different than actually eating to heal. Okay, because everybody has different um, intolerances. Everybody has a different response to the food, maybe a different deficiencies. So everyone needs different nutrients in order to balance the body uh, to work optimally with all body functions. And that's how we utilize in, in functional nutrition. Um, we use you know, food as medicine, because that's how you balance your body. But that's super bio-individual. That's, you know, you have to, and many times it's through testing and to see like where you're at and what you're deficient in and what you, so based on that, we incorporate, you know, more foods that are rich in those nutrients that you are deficient in, and that creates homeostasis or, you know, balancing of the body. So it's, it's, uh, nutrition is something that is super interesting, but like I said, it's, it's everything together. That's part of the puzzle. Part of the puzzle is the skincare. Part of the puzzle is, uh, lifestyle habits, such as good sleep quality, mm-hmm. um, you know, managing stress, relationships, even, uh, having a purpose of life, you know, yeah. that really affects a lot of people if you don't have a life purpose so many people get into depression or anxiety or they're just not in a comfort area with their body because they're missing that so we like i said we we are a whole person so our mental health affects tremendously our gut health as a matter of fact uh, science is now discovering that a lot of the mental illnesses such as parkinson um, Alzheimer's, they manifest some of the symptoms in the gut years before they actually show up as a disease, as a mental illness. So there is a connection definitely with all our body systems and how our body works. 
Um, going back to the skin, the skin responds to a lot of that because we have cells that respond to touch, to senses, to, yeah. you know. So basically, anything that affects our nervous system also affects the skin and affects the gut. So it's it's a whole circle. It's a whole circle. I love that you you explained that so well because it, it's so true. I mean, if you even think about it, if you've ever gone through depression. I know when I was going through depression, I wasn't like, I'm craving a green juice or I'm craving fruits and veggies. Like I was like craving just like the, all the comfort foods, like all the chocolate and sugar, sugar, sugar. That's like all I was wanting to eat. And then when I ate it, guess what? It didn't make me feel better. Cause I was like, I feel more tired. I feel more sluggish. I just want to stay in bed. And so, um, I remember hearing a while back, you know, sometimes people, when they want to eat healthier, they like, they try to do the extreme, like cold Turkey. It's like, well, I've been eating fried foods and I've been drinking soda, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like, and they go to that extreme diet to another extreme, which is just like fruits and veggies. And it's like, you like the slow baby steps. Right. And so it's like, you know, instead of going from one extreme, it's like, Hey, Maybe if you've been drinking soda your whole life and you, it's so hard to cut from soda to water, maybe get sparkling water, you know, just water with, with flavor. And, and at least it's, it's, it's not that, but it's like baby steps to where people can go. And I feel like people have the mindset, well, like if I can't go all in, then I'm not going to do it at all. And it's like, I remember with me, my nutrition, you know, going back to my health and my mental state was slow progress was like, okay, like, you know, I don't need to go from to take that big jump. And I feel like sometimes that's what stops people is like, well, if I can't have this and then, then I don't even want to try the other thing. It's like, well, you know, maybe take those small steps, you know, incorporating the foods that you love ver- and then maybe finding a way to make it a little healthier, you know, it's the only way that actually uh, people can make change effective. You create your own change. Nobody can create it for you. No one. Because you really have to see your strengths and your weaknesses. That's when um, coaching sometimes comes into play. And it's really, really good because what we do as like health coaches is to guide the person uh, into the person's own experience and create change as basically the, the main person in the whole thing is the client, not the the coach, the coach is not, you know, we create change by a way of the client discovering his or her skills and how use those skills in order to create change and change the behavior, which is applied, for instance, in the uh, cognitive behavioral theory, which is where, you know, you basically change your thoughts and you change the way that you feel into a more positive a format of affirmations and behavior so that, that you can begin to create change. And change takes time because you can't really, you know, you have to somewhat convince yourself. There's a, a lot of different stages where you have to prepare yourself. You have to be convinced that you really want that change. Yeah. And little by little, um, you introduce certain things that will help you create that change and also eliminate cues that are going to actually make you relapse. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So by changing the environment, by changing, um, you know, maybe reading, getting more knowledge about the whatever you want to change in your life and or your nutrition or food, that's how you begin to make little changes. And those little changes that you do daily can take you to having us being successful at achieving your goal but it doesn't happen in one day you have to really kind of talk to yourself you have to change the way you see and feel things Mm. and that's how you create change and that is related to food as well you know like you can't change the way you feel because a lot of how um how we see food is affected by many things, you know, socially, uh, your childhood, what, what you had as, as food when you were growing up, um, budget, uh, a lot of things affect how the way we eat. Right. So, um, basically you can't change your mind in, in just one minute at like in vegetables. If you never in your life had vegetables, right. (laughs) But you can begin to start by seeing the positive mm-hmm. of adding vegetables in your life and what it really means to you and how you would feel yeah. if, if you feel healthier. So the, the outcome of that how it will make you feel. And based on all those things, you start kind of convincing, not convincing, but changing the mental behavior into accepting the welcoming of those vegetables into your life. And if you do that, they're going to taste better. They're going to, um, you know, as opposed to like, I want to be healthy and I have to eat this that I never liked. Yeah. So, So that is the difference. It's like creating change little by little and everything starts in your brain and your thoughts and how you feel about things. Yeah, that is, that is so key. And it's funny that, um, you just said that I have like four books that are holding my laptop. That's how I get my laptop to be at this height. And one of the books is called atomic habits, which is such a phenomenal book about the like greatest changes that you make in your life, you know, really do happen incrementally, you know, they don't happen overnight. And from examples of, you know, if you've never gone to the gym, you want to start going like, Um, he even said, you know, there's this one guy that his, his thing was just getting to the gym. He didn't even have to work out, but the fact that he drove there was like getting his brain to start like, okay, you're going to start going to this location. And when I read, I'm like, that's kind of silly. Like, why would he drive there and not even work out? But he was programming his brain to, Hey, get used to this, this, like this drive. Cause you're going to start coming here more. He was creating a new cube, which Uh is good because that's exactly what happens. You have to remove all cues that that actually um, put you in in the position of doing what you don't want to do anymore. Let's say if you have a jar of cookies right in front of you, so you see that that's a cue for you to go, and you're tempted, and you you know you, before you go to work, you see that jar of cookies, so you're going to grab one, right? Yeah. So eliminating that, uh, creating a different environment around that. And, you know, also creating new cues that are more uh, conductive to good habits. So it it works like that. It's like your your brain learned everything so it can unlearn it and you can learn new things. 
Yeah. So it's basically, uh, and that's coaching does that a lot of times because sometimes if, if you don't know how to handle things, it could be overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know, like for somebody to do it all by yourself. Uh, sometimes it could be overwhelming, especially when uh, the change, you know, it could be like a big change, but it's like maybe it's somebody it's overweight or somebody already has some really serious health issues and has been prescribed by their physician, you know, to do a certain regimen with taking supplements and changing the nutrition and doing a lot of things. And if that person doesn't have, you know, a history of doing all these things, it becomes like so much and so overwhelming that they don't do anything. Yeah. So, um, and that's why it's important to kind of, you know, set up a plan. If you're at home, you want to do it yourself, make sure you put it on paper, set up a plan and start with small goals, you know, like, uh, small that are goals that are reachable and that you can also have a time frame that you can accomplish it because you know you cannot move on unless you have a time frame so that you can measure if you actually achieve that goal so and that's how you advance into your journey that's so good it's so funny because as you're saying certain things um going back to the gluten and the dairy those are two things that i'm i'm very sensitive to but one thing that i've noticed that i've kind of been eating a little bit more than usual and i've been craving it a little bit more and actually went to whole foods to get like my favorite chocolate and ice cream and it's sugar and so as you were talking you're saying all the things about sugar i'm like oh my gosh i need to like cut out sugar right now but then we're talking about but wait you can't i mean some people can go black and white and cold turkey but um, like science, um, like scientific studies have shown that's not effective. So it's like little by little. So it's like, okay, you know, how can I cut down the sugar? You know, I'm pretty sure, um, like you said, sh- sugar is, um, in, they, they said sugar is a drug. It's, it's cause it's very addictive. It is, it, it, it's it is technically, it, it, it has the same effect. It's, it has the same effect. Of, it's very addictive. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Hyman and he has helped a lot of people reverse, um, like, um, um, diseases that they've had simply by cutting out sugar or lowering all those things. And so, um, it's funny that we're speaking about this. Cause I realized that's something that, um, ever since I moved back from Australia, you know, um, over there, there's no such thing as like flavored coffee creamers, like it's milk or dairy-free milk. And that's it. Like, or even in South America, like in Peru, there's no, like all these flavors. And, you know, with that comes a lot of sugar. I'm a huge coffee drinker. So I'll have my non-dairy creamer, but guess what? There's still sugar in that. And I'm starting my day off with that, right? And that leads to me wanting, craving more sugar throughout my day because I started it with it, you know? But it, I love that we're touching this topic because these are conversations I've had with friends where like, we're like, dude, we need to like hold each other accountable. Like it's okay to have some sugar, but let's control it, you know? Um, Dorda, would you, because I've read different articles and I know sometimes like the, the, they can say like certain amount of like, this is good for you and you should eat this much and that much. But what from your studies, Zoda, would you say there's like a certain amount that as adults or young adults that we should kind of look at and like not over exceeding on a daily basis when it comes to that? It's very important. I don't believe in diets. Okay. I did yes. basically um, diets in the form that the public 
um, identify them is they, they create deficiencies because a, a diet, you know, like a regular diet that people say, uh, eat just lettuce and tuna, it's creating deficiencies because the body needs basically the all different nutrients in order to, to build tissues, right? And to have cellular energy and all of that. Um, so I believe in portion control. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Portion is the key to everything. And especially if you if you want to really make a difference in inflammation, you should reduce grains and you mm-hmm. should reduce um, legumes have fiber, so they're healthy too. But to make the let's say your plate more full of vegetables and, you know, leafy greens, vegetables, even starchy vegetables, but like, you know, like sweet potato or squash or all that. Um, the protein should be the size of the palm of your hand. So that's, that's the size of the protein that you should be consuming for you. Right. Um, and then if you're going to have, you know, the portion of, and this is in general, obviously everybody is different and they have, you know, just as a disclaimer, if you're going to make a difference, uh, any changes in your, in your diet or nutrition, you need to talk to your doctor. Okay. <laughs> but in general, um, so, and then if you're going to have something like the bread or a grain or something, it should be the smallest portion in your plate. Mm. Another thing that really affects um, a lot, especially the blood sugar levels, which is what is very detrimental and causes a lot of problems uh, like insulin resistance that is rampant right now in our society is the fact that combining those foods, okay? Mm. Because like most people, if you just see, just to give you an example, if you eat just a piece of bread by itself, okay, that's simple carbs, and it's going to, you're going to have a blood sugar spike, tremendous blood sugar spike immediately almost, okay, because you're just having that, which is a simple carbohydrate. Now, foods are processed in our body in different stages. So we have the carbohydrates, which, you know, we digest first, and it starts from the mouth, and we have protein that digests in the stomach. Uh, and then we have the fats, the digestion, the small intestine. So basically, when you add foods containing protein um, and fat and fiber, even better. Um, so you are slowing down the 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 process of, of the body metabolizing that that the carbohydrates. So you're kind of you know putting a car in front of you know, that try to speed up. So it's, it's something that, you know, to keep in mind. So if you're having, for instance, um, just to give you an example with that same piece of bread, if you, if you put some spread of almond butter, for instance, almond butter has healthy fats and it also has protein, um, then it's going to slow down the, um, the sugar spike because, you know, it, it has that protein and it has that fat. So the same thing when you're eating a whole meal, you know, if you combine it with vegetables, for instance, uh, if you're having meat or if you're having chicken, if you eat it with those vegetables and you're also, uh, while you 
cook the vegetables, you add some good fats, you know, like either coconut oil, avocado oil, um, you add, you know, some seeds in the salad, which creates fiber and more nutrients. So you're adding not only nutrition to your meal, but you're also helping to minimize that sugar spike. Mm. I like I like that you touched that because sometimes we can think of sugar just as in ice cream cookies and all those different things, but not understanding that a lot of different, even um, like complex carbs or carbs itself can raise that blood sugar. And I know I was um, not too much because I realized, I guess I don't digest it as well as maybe some people, but for me, oatmeal, I always realized it made me feel, I don't know, just a little, um, like it was the blood sugar. Like I would have that rush cause it's just pure oatmeal. So it's the carbs. I would add maybe some protein powder in the mix with some like almond milk, some nut butter. But even then it was too, um, it was like too many grains for me. Um, and it kind of made me feel more like sluggish, even though it's, it's considered a healthy food. And, and I think that's, what's so important now is to understand that there could be a food that's good are considered healthy, you know, like certain fruits and veggies, but for some people, it may not be good for your body. You know, I know some people that are, um, certain fruits or veggies make them bloat. You know, it doesn't mean that that fruit or vegetable is bad. It just means like that person is intolerant to that specific food. And that's something, um, I'm, I'm interested in doing soon is, is doing, like you said, those, those testings. Cause I know for instance, dairy and gluten make me blow and um, break out, but I feel like there's still certain things that I may be eating right now that my body's saying, Hey, you know, um, this isn't like the best thing for my body, you know? So I want to kind of, um, go more into that. And I always, um, you know, it's so interesting to me though, that when people say like they're, they'll spend all this money on their car. They'll spend all all this money on their home. They'll spend all this money on like outside things, but on their own body, it's like, oh no, like just like drive through. And it's like, this is your, like, this is your vehicle for life. Like you're the only person in the world who lives in you, you know? So it's like, I think it's really a perspective shift that people, um, it happened that realize once they have that perspective shift of like, oh, now I know that like, this is what's carrying me in and out and it's getting me from point A to point B and it's affecting my decision-making the way I think. Then I think when people have that deeper understanding, they're going to, like you said, want to do better, want to eat better. They're going to want it for themselves. Yeah. They create a shift in, in their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that unfortunately comes from an experience, you know, like from not feeling so well, maybe going to the doctor, many doctors, everything seems to be fine, but the person still continues to not feel well. Um, And that's when a lot of, uh, you know, people start to think about what am I doing? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the, the best way would be prevention, you know, without even getting to that state, because the body, I like to see it as a bank account is the same way. That analogy, I love it because it's like, you know, you're born with, you know, a lot of wealth in your bank account. But if you just take and take and take and don't put back in, eventually you're going to come back, you go bankrupt, right? So basically, that's the same concept with with what you put in your body. So everything has to be balanced. If you're taking out, you have to put back in, you know, you have to, if you weren't 
so good over the weekend because you ate too much sugar or something. You got to do maybe some, uh, you know, help your body with more detoxifying type of foods the following week. And so that it, the body can cope with what you did, right? But if you continue with the same behavior, then eventually something is going to happen because the body, you know, can handle up to a certain load of toxicity and, and, you know, inflammation as well, like we were talking about. So eventually something is going to come up if, if the person doesn't change. Um, so that's why it's important to just have an open mind and, and just kind of see and, and stop and think and consider that the body, one thing that it's, it's funny, and, and this is the way that it was like an epiphany for me, um, you know, when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis last year, and it has to do with genes, but it kind of got manifested through a, a great episode of a stress that I had because I, I lost my grandmother, who was like my mother, and it was during the pandemic, and I couldn't go to, to her funeral and all of that. Um, and I was able to reverse the symptoms with nutrition. But what I was telling you about all this is that we have the ability to make decisions based on what is happening at the moment. Like if you see that you're not feeling well, if you see that um, even in, in an episode like the stress in this case that I had, that I had basically very little control because it was emotional stress. We can still use tactics to control stress. We can use breathing exercises. We can do a lot of things, meditation. We have a lot of tools for wellness that we can use, but we have to practice awareness, okay? Mm. is the first thing. Become aware of what's going on and then take action, okay? Because if we don't, become aware and then, you know, kind of realize that we need help in different aspects, then, you know, nothing happens. We don't take action. So taking action really comes from awareness and then, you know, having the uh, predisposition in order to make that change and then you take the action. So, yeah, it's it's very important. Awareness to me, it's like, you know, you have to realize that what you're what you're doing, it's not good for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, unfortunately, many people go on and, and they just keep on doing that and the behavior and they don't realize it. Other people may be conscious of it. They may say, OK, I know this is not good for me, but I don't care. I just do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So knowing the difference yeah. really it's crucial because, you know, if you're aware that what you're doing is not so good for you, you can start implementing some small new habits that could get you in, in a healthier path, you know, even if it is slowly. Yeah, definitely. Awareness is everything. That is very, very true. And I feel like once you get that awareness, it's obviously up to the individual if they want to change for the better, or if they want to keep being in the same route that they've been at, you know? And so I think it's, it's really comes, like you said, does that person want change? And if they do, then it's like going to the right people and the right resources, professionals that 
know what they're doing, what they're talking about. Are they even credible? And I think also another thing is like a lot of times people get so much uh, quote advice online from people that are not even like certified. Like you have your certification in like so many different areas and you have 25 years of experience um, with skincare, but then you also have gone in a a journey of holistic nutrition and not just reading articles online, but you're like, no, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to study this because I want to know what I'm talking about. And now like you are a coach to to so many people and what you're saying, it's backed up by science. So it's not like, it's not your own opinion. You're like, no, this is these are the facts, you know? And, and I think that's for me, I'm very discerning on what information I take. Like I take everything like a grain of salt, but I also want to know like, what's, what's this person's background? Like what, like why should I take this information this person sharing? Is it their opinion or is it because like, they've actually taken the time to study this and they know what they're talking about. And there's like, you know, just, um, signs to back that up and what they're saying and, and all this stuff. And so, I think it's so important that people are so aware as well of like, what advice are you taking and and who you're taking it from? Cause you know, there's, and there's nothing wrong with people being on a journey to health and, you know, you'll see like people create Instagram pages and sharing that. And I, and that's awesome. I think if if you've done something just like something as simple as switching a healthy lifestyle and just sharing people, Hey, I I portion controlled, like you said, you know, I I didn't do a diet because I'm the same way. I'm not for any diet. I'm for lifestyle. And so I'm all for lifestyle because that's, what's going to be sustainable at the end of the day, not a diet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think it's cool when people get to share their lifestyle with people, but when you're starting to share like medical advice or things like that, then it's like, okay, like, you know, like just be very aware and discerning and, and being able to do that. I, I get that through podcasts. I get that through having conversations, you know, with people, um, like you in your profession that are, are on in that career path, you know, and it gives you to see things for, um, you know, what they really are, you know, and, and just getting different information from, from, from sources, um, and then discerning through that, you know, but I think that's so important. It's like now with social media, you can read anything like, Oh, take this quick pill and lose 10 pounds, drink this tea and you'll lose 10 pounds. And I see that. And I'm like, no, that's not it. Like it's, it's a lifestyle. It's getting up in the morning. It's, it's deciding to go for a walk. It's deciding to drink that water and it's deciding to be committed to that lifestyle. Like you said. Yeah, there's not a miracle pill for sure. Um, it's a combination of different things and everybody is totally unique. Okay. Yeah. Even two identical twins um, will share different health concerns based on the environment. Mm-hmm. And they will also have different nutritional needs based on where they live and based on what they do and their uh, level of fitness that they have. So everybody is totally different. And that's the key to uh, like functional nutrition, for instance, that is based on functional medicine, uh, which is a holistic form of food nourishment where um, functional medicine is is about uh, optimization of body functions and looking for the root cause, you know, instead of putting a Band-Aid on the symptoms. So it's basically utilizing food 
as medicine and uh, in a non-invasive way with just lifestyle modifications, changing the way you eat and changing, you know, in, in, in implementing other habits that are healthier, like good quality sleep, yeah. uh, movement, exercise, all of that um, really has a huge impact in your overall well-being and health. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And Loretta, I wanted to ask you this uh, final question. It's the question I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. And that is, if you knew then what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Um, I would tell my younger self not to worry too much about things, um, to have a better flow of life. I've always been a little bit too workaholic. Um, So, um, yeah, to kind of pause a little bit more on the being you know, work, not work so much or so hard. Um, Nutrition wise, I've I've always eaten pretty healthy. So, uh, but of course I could give my younger self a lot of good advice now that I have studied quite a bit, you know, about all of this, Um, you know, maybe in my personal case, uh, reduce certain foods that I used to like when I was maybe younger, maybe the sugar, not, I've never really been a person that ate a lot of sugar or all of that. Um, so health-wise, uh, for sure, maybe, you know, get more exercise or exercise in different ways. I love Pilates. I love yoga. Um, but then you start discovering, especially with the change in age, the body needs different things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I would definitely tell, but overall I will tell my younger self to just live life and enjoy the moment and give love, accept love, be compassionate, um, have empathy for people and spread love as much as you can, because that really makes you really, really happy. That's basically the key to happiness. Mm, I love that. Yes. Spread love. I agree with that. Lorda, I wanted to just thank you so much for your time today, sharing all the knowledge and bits and pieces of nutrition and health, you know, from gut health to mind, to stress, to foods that, you know, can help fight inflammation to what to avoid to just all these different um, keys that can help us lead to just a healthier, um, better, more abundant lifestyle. And I wanted to ask you though, that is there, um, you have like an Instagram page website where people can, you know, just um, look at the things that you share and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. My website is my name, dorasalazar.com. And my Instagram, um, I also have a Facebook, but I'm more active on Instagram, is uh, D as Dora Beauty Click. Awesome. All right. Y'all got that D Beauty Click. Thank you, Megan. It was wonderful to share this time with you and allow me to also share the time with your audience. Awesome. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave a rate and review as it makes a huge difference. 
Also, share this podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to follow at One Thing in Common Podcast on Instagram and tag us with any insights you got from the episode. I am so grateful for each and every one of you, and I hope you have the best week. Much love.